Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, good morning, good Saturday. Holy smokes, we have another beautiful weekend, another day in the neighborhood, home improvement. 314-436-7900 puts us together. That's 314-436-7900. Lots of things happening here in the neighborhood of University of Camwex. Scott Mosby at the helm. We are casting off and we are going on a voyage of repairing, upkeeping, and improving your home, your business, your office, whatever place is important to you. For those that are DIY do-it-yourselfers, call in. We've got the answers, at least the ones that I can give you my very best to muster for you. Uh, if you're into that project, I pledge you my very best. If you uh, depend on professionals to come take care of your home, give me a call. I'll answer any question on a consumer level, whatever. I wear a lot of hats in my career. My name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. This is our 70th year in business, seven decades. And uh, in that time, uh, the people at Mosby, including myself, my father who raised me and trained me, uh, there's a lot of uh, experience we have on how to handle, ask for, communicate, hold accountable, clarify agreements, all that sort of thing. Last year, I served as the chairman of the St. Louis Better Business Bureau. So I'm very active in uh, my beliefs and values that uh, everybody is uh, deserving of a fair shake. And actually, clarity is probably one of my biggest values. Clarity that everybody knows exactly what is going to happen, who's going to do it, and once how we measure that according to what happens. So that's the business hat that I wear. Uh, Trade-wise, uh, I was raised to be uh, a master carpenter in the old world uh, ways, if you will, that you know I learned to carry lumber, uh, dig ditches, uh, clean up after skilled tradesmen, eventually into carpentry and spent... Uh, eight to ten years with the tool bags on, uh, on to uh, really uh, supervising projects, uh, superintendent, project manager, on through to literally arranging and organizing teams to fulfill promises and expectations really for consumers. So with that, uh, you know, bring them on. I love questions and answers. You, the X listeners, are the smartest people in the world. I can tell it from your questions. There's so much that has happened in uh, the 20 years that I've been on X. It used to be that uh, you just nail it together. If you can keep the water out for a while, that was good. Then about, think about this, 30 years ago, or even when air conditioning started 70 years ago, roughly, we were able then to uh, not only make uh, buildings warm on the inside, we're able to cool them off, uh, and that has created things. Then we learned to insulate and then super insulate with the oil scares of the 1970s, so super insulated. With that, we learned to tighten up buildings so much so that we cause new problems, indoor air quality, uh, wind, uh, windows and doors that leak, uh, window cavities, door, wall cavities that literally couldn't dry themselves out. So, so much has become um, de rigueur or the, you know, the game of the day that we really, as construction professionals, really, really have to keep on our thinking hats. And frankly, the tradesmen of today, um, you know, at Mosby Building Arts, uh, many have college 
college degrees. Um, some have uh, masters and, and choose to work with the tools. And it's interesting to know um, where their heart is because uh, we're people that do it because this is what we love. Uh, whereas, um, you know, sometimes it's the only job you could get. Well, right now, the tradesmen, at least in my world, have to be really good building scientists to know how things happen. We can talk about that and more. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you'd like to contact me or my company during the week, it's Mosby Building Arts. That's plural, A-R-T-S. Phone number is 314-909-1800. Or the website is just C-A-L-L, Mosby, call Mosby.com. So try to keep it as simple uh, on that. Uh, lots of things happening. Right now, there is a kitchen design seminar going on right now at Whitmore Country Club. Uh, you can head in there. Uh, doors open, but it started about 1030, uh, and it'll conclude up, oh, about noon. So if you want to crash that party, you're welcome to come on in there. And that's out at Whitmore Country Club, and it gets into all of the kitchen design trends. If you have some questions, you're welcome to uh, uh, ask them there. Or 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. You are my smartest listeners, and we're going to talk about all sorts of things now. Uh, 800-925-1120 brings us toll-free, 314-436-7900. Got some great questions. We're going to get started. Let's see what's happening here. Get Rick up and cue. Rick, good morning. Welcome to CAMWEX, my friend. How may I help? Hi. I have a question. Um, I kind of found out the hard way um, from the storm that happened, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, My storm door ripped open because it wasn't closed all the way, and it since has basically broken the hinge and bent the hinge. And the thing is, when my front door is closed, the, the air pressure that builds up doesn't allow the storm door to close. If yeah. I open up the front door, it closes perfectly. So yeah. is there something that I'm doing wrong or... No, I understand exactly what you're saying because typically when the prime door opens up or your front door opens up, people want a very tight storm door because sometimes just for the getting the light in, uh, it's nice to have it on, just see who's coming to the door, that sort of thing. Uh, one trick you can do, Rick, you know the sweep on the bottom of your storm door, it's adjustable, you slide it up and down? Right. Uh, you can lift that up a little bit. So you can uh, loosen, there are usually two or three typically silver color screws, or they might be brass if you've got a brass sweep, and just loosen those and then, you know, put a screwdriver or a lever up, and you can slide that sweep up a little bit. And you're going to need, you know, more than a quarter of inch of air because the issue is it's the fast compressing air of the closer on that glass door. Uh, Either that, you put a screen in it, uh, problem solved because your screen will let the air out. But really, your easiest way to do this without getting into, you know, remanufacturing the door is just lift your sweep up. You're going to get some bugs in on that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be a real big problem on rain unless you get a hard driving rain from that direction. But that's probably the easiest way. And uh, loosen your closer so that it closes with more force, which will do the job, but it will frustrate you when you come in the door with a bag of groceries right yeah I, you know i had it you know closing perfectly you know it, it doesn't slam shut but it doesn't you know it, it still pulls close but yeah and i you know and i opened it up all the way so that it would but then yeah it just like you know slam shut it's yeah. it's uh 
But, uh, okay, so I have to give up, I guess you'd say, the insulating qualities of the uh, storm door in order to get it, or what little insulating qualities it has, I guess. Yes, the the idea. Yes, sir. The idea of a storm door is to really uh, con, uh, protect your primary door and be a weather barrier out proud of that door. So it's kind of like a storm window, but it works a lot more. As far as not latching, oh man, I feel your pain. I've replaced in my life just in the last ten years two doors that just got ripped open by you know good old winds and and right. destroyed that panel. So. And I have a, a similar situation in the garage, a fire door that's on spring-loaded hinges. Uh-huh, yeah. I put one of those in, and it, if the garage door is closed, it won't close. So I do the same thing on that. Uh, that's more uh, closing pressure, uh, frankly, on that. But if it's a storm door, yeah, you're in the same city. It, it's not that important. Um, if do you, Are you saying you have a storm door on that garage door there, too? No, no, no. I have a fire door, uh, oh. you know, an attached garage fire door, and it's on spring-loaded hinges. Yeah. And I got those things cranked up as high as they'll go. Yeah. And uh, it's and when the garage door is closed, the pressure is enough, and the gar- the garage is sealed well enough that the same thing happens, uh, yeah. like the front door of the house, but with the garage. So if I lifted up the bottom of that uh, fire door, like you said, adjusted the uh, the sweep. Can I do that on a fire door too? Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, you can. Okay. Well, uh, ideally, you know. well, yeah, you can, and no, you shouldn't. But uh, frankly, you know, um, that's your choice. I can't really tell you yeah. to negate. But okay. a, an adjustable threshold on a fire door—it's still a fire door because yeah. what they're trying to do is slow down the flame spread from the garage to the house. So it's right. not going to burn under okay. the the top of the door is the one that takes the heat and, and breaches first. So your bottom of the door, okay. other than smoke infiltration, is is okay. your you know secondary issue. Okay. All righty. Thanks for the help. Thanks, Rick. Good questions. Got us going. Bye now. And there you go. What happens when you do too good a job? Yeah, that, that's really what Rick was saying was I bought a whiz-bang storm door. It seals up so well that when that closer closes the storm door over the face of the ordinary door, it builds up pressure in the as that door compresses the air. It does not allow the door to close and latch uh, fully. And then when the wind comes with that door unlatched and, you know, especially in the winter times, you can get some really gusty winds. And I've seen storm doors literally, I mean, properly installed storm doors with the check chain and, you know, the two closers, one top and bottom, everything right, literally rip that door off of the wall. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. For those of you taking on your decks, uh, patios, ceiling, whatever that is, we'll talk about that as well. Tis the season. (laughs) Remember the three pigs. You can be ready. You can think you're ready. Or you can just not invest in it at all. Either way, Mother Nature calls accountability on all of us. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, Home Improvement, University of KMOX. Come on in. We've got a few more seats here in the studio, and we have a classroom, lots of questions and answers. I will do my best to match my answers and experience up and down according to the best uh, guess I can for your experience so that I can really give you something you can use. Uh, I can answer too far up and down the knowledge scale and do you a disservice. So it's very careful that one of the more um, important things I do is try and match the answer to the level of skill that I hear in the question. Uh, So with that, I want to warn you, we've got Hurricane Harvey. 
What do you think happens to the Midwest when you've got this spinning disk of a storm dumping three feet of rain in Texas? Yeah, well, think about it in the big in the big picture. That whirling wind is going to drive rainstorms right up Highway 44 from the southwest from Texas right up through Tornado Alley. Gee, I wonder how it got that name. Straight up Tornado Alley through Oklahoma, through Springfield and Joplin. Joplin, there's a name you heard about tornadoes. All that rain after it kind of peters out, is coming this way. We will have a rainstorm coming sooner or later. That's how these things work. Somebody gets the big one, Harvey, on the coast, wham, they get it, the winds, and then as it dissipates, and it, it sometimes it burns out and rains out before it gets to us. But I uh, pay attention. I want you to do a walkabout around your home today this or this weekend, please, because sometime late next week, mid next week is a possibility for getting that kind of a weather pattern. Uh, you know, so clean the leaves out of your window wells. Uh, make sure the wheat leaves and the debris is cleaned up down. If you have a basement a door entry, there's a, a floor drain there. Make sure that's cleaned up. Make sure that drains and operates. Otherwise, that water and heavy torrential rains coming right inside your basement, right through the door threshold. It's a door. It's not a, a submarine hatch. So keep in mind, just beware. A walk around the outside of your home in the gutters. If you've got anything growing out of those gutters, that's bad. Get somebody up there to clean those gutters and make them operational. The gutter system and the downspout is the way that we have, we, we stop the water saturation from the soil by putting a roof on it. Well, that roof sheds a lot of water in a, roughly a one-inch rainfall. Uh, you get about 400, 500 gallons of water on 1,000 square feet roughly. So that's a lot of water. Uh, and I may have the numbers exactly wrong, but the point is, is you get 75 to 100 gallons per downspout on every corner of that house. So you have a fire hose blowing off every hour, delivering that kind of water, which is why it's important to pay attention to your waterproofing, your foundation, but also make sure you make those gutters work and drain them 10 feet away from the foundation of your house. Otherwise, you're just pumping water down in your own basement, a self-inflicted wound. Anyway, my message is be prepared. The storm fragments, what's left of it, will come up from the south, and it's coming our way. So it's very important. Uh, you'll have, uh, you know, in a driving wind rainstorm, you get rain everywhere. Well, let's see what's cooking here and talk with Kathy. Kathy, good morning. Welcome to CamWex, my friend. How may I help you? Hi, Scott. My uh, project today is my patio um, and sidewalk. So for the past couple of weeks, I've been power washing, and I'm... I think I'm ready to seal now. But, so my question is, what is the best product to use? Is it water-based, solvent-based? Uh, I'm uh, I'm. I'm partial to the solvent base. I'm kind of old school. Uh, I am a fan of some of the new water-based materials, but keep in mind, uh, the better water-based materials have... Um, uh, they'll have a chemical set about them. It's almost like an epoxy material. So some of the professional sealers have products like that. But, you know, they are not friendly on uh, pump sprayers. You know, they'll, they'll set up too quickly. The point being, I like the old-fashioned silicone. Uh, and it comes in two different uh, levels. Uh, one is a, uh, it's for a horizontal surface, and the other is for vertical. Um, the point uh, th that I'm making is they're too concentrate. The higher concentration will actually tint your concrete. Uh, it, it'll be like putting okay. tea down on your white concrete. 
Uh, so the first okay. one tends to, eh, it gives a little bit of a, of a hue, but you can't really tell there's a color. But if you use the, the secondary one, the more uh, common one that we use for really um, porous bricks and things, uh, they tend to come more from professional stores. Uh, I will say most of the sealers that you can buy retail at most hardware stores and home centers uh, that's what you can sell a lot of. So from the manufacturer's point of view, if we make it easy enough to use, we can we can sell a lot of it. That's different from the better product uh, that's not necessarily easier to use, but it does a better job of sealing. So I'm old school, kind of silicone. Um, and uh, But anything, anything, anything is better than okay. nothing. So you can't really okay. go wrong, but uh, if you're looking for my preference, preferable uh, type product uh, they tend to come from the concrete supply stores like a new way concrete form uh, something like that and it's a silicone product okay so if i do go to the box store and i get um something with a tint in it is is that going to peel or will that just wear off over time or great question great question do not do not get the wet loop do not get an acrylic the, there's a, there's wet, I'm going to use um, colloquial, wet look and dry look. Uh, wet look, mm-hmm. when you're done, it looks like it just rained. Dry look, right. you're not sure you got coverage. It, once it dries, you can't tell it's there at all. Um, the wet look is for an exposed aggregate concrete, Kathy. So with the little okay. rocks showing and you want those rocks to shine, that is what an acrylic, just like, you know, clear, never yellows. Right. It's like an acrylic floor wax. That's the right stuff. But if you put that on your concrete, on your white concrete, it's it's it'll it'll work, but it'll make it very slick. So beware. Uh, the acrylic, okay. the wet okay. look is not for standard white concrete. Okay, good to know. Okay, right. Thank especially you so in much. a especially in a garage, I've had people make this mistake: oh, put acrylic yeah. slick wax on their garage. They come home in a wet rainstorm. Boom! They're on the floor before they knew it was even a wet floor. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. All right, Kathy. Good for you for uh, power washing, cleaning it. You're you're already on the top t- oh, smartest yeah. folks in the in the listening audience. Good job. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye, Kathy. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, University of KMOX. I'm, I'm telling you what, we have a couple of quick questions here. Think about that. Storm Door, Rick did too good a job on installing his Storm Door. Actually installed it correctly. But think about this. He had unintended consequences. Now think about that with the entire industry when we go out or the homeowner goes out and says, I've got the best product. And it may be. Or Kathy says, I bought the best, the best quality sealer. And it may be. Can your house handle that? I mean, really? You know, so Rick put on a fabulous storm door. It was so tight that there were secondary and tertiary third uh, wave consequences to that, that the door wouldn't close. Uh, and because it wouldn't close because of the compression air, it was too airtight. Oh, and then when big winds came up, it literally damaged his door by slamming it wide open. So unintended. So when I talk about building technology, building science, pay attention, tradesmen really have to think about it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Kathy did everything right. She power washed. She cleaned that concrete. She let it dry. Called to find out, you know, some advice on which sealer to go. She's going to go to a store and get more advice. So Kathy's asking questions. Questions are free. Uh, Mistakes are not. So what effectively is happening is people are calling me. It's like, hey, Scott, you've been doing this a long time. I'll bet you've made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) Ooh, buddy. So 
Call, think of me as your pre-disastered advisor. I, I can tell you what didn't work, and I can tell you the two or three things that do. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's see what's cooking here, and uh, let's uh, talk with, uh, how about Mike? Hey, Mike. Scott Mosby, welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Listen, I have a uh, an attached garage uh-huh. that has a brick veneer on it, okay. and it's uninsulated. And in the summertime, it gets smoking hot. Yeah. And in the wintertime, it gets really cold. And I'm not going to heat it or cool it, uh-huh. but I would like to insulate it. Would, would that do me any good? Would I be buying anything? Uh, and yes. So, uh, how would I do that? What would I, how would I do the ceiling and, and the walls and things like that? Uh, traditional ways, Mike. The only thing you don't really do is vapor barrier because that, your garage gets really wet with snow coming home on the cars, water coming home on the cars. You know, it just, So the inside of your garage does get, does get wet. So don't try and control the moisture or the vapor. No vapor barrier. It would be a usually a fibrous. Uh, I, I, I prefer like a fiberglass in a garage because it's inert. It doesn't, the glass doesn't really get along very well. It, 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 it'll take the moisture okay. Um, the first thing I did when I moved into a house oh, 15 years ago is insulate the garage. I have these two engine blocks that come home at the end of the day, very warm, and in the wintertime, I have a heated garage without adding any supplemental heat because all I'm doing is holding and keeping that air. Now, <laughs> your point about the summer, and it takes a good insulated weather stripped overhead door, garage door. You've got to get something that, you know, finishes that big hole in the wall. But I am very bullish. I love insulated garages. They're free heat in the winter. And man, I'll tell you what, the older I get, the more that's important. Um, and garages that get hot, do you have a window in the garage, Mike, or anything like that? Well, there's a roof vent. Uh, that you know vents the heat out up the roof, and then there is a window, but it's uh, it's a window that doesn't open. Yeah, that's the issue. Uh, if you've got vents on the top, whether they're pan vents or a ridge vent, you're you're doing pretty well. You just need makeup air. If you see, you know, the old way of doing it is just lift the garage door up 12 inches. What that means is cooled air. This is how attic ventilation works. Cool air comes in underneath the garage door, uh, and then that replaces the hot air that is then allowed to move because there's makeup air coming into the garage. The hot stuff escapes out through the pan vents or the ridge vent. So you need a makeup source. And if you want to leave your garage door closed, that means opening a window, usually a double hung top sash. I'll drop mine down, you know, you know, quarter of the way. Or you need some sort of an inlet vent similar to a pan vent on the side of your garage somewhere down low. They tend to be pretty unattractive. We've put in small vents in very hidden places, but there are ways to do it. But you have to treat it like a, a vented attic with makeup, cool air, inlets down low, and then your vents up top then are, uh, they get what they need to cool off your garage in the summer. And then you cover those over in the winter. Okay, what about the ceiling? How do I, it's, it's an open garage, so all I have is the roof rafters up there, and there's no ceiling in my, uh, and the, the ceiling joists are 24 inch on center. So what, what could I put up there and then do I need to put like a blown insulation on top of whatever I put on this thing or, or do I just yeah, uh, your choice. You need some sort of a surface to hold it up, so you can't really insulate that ceiling without putting a ceiling up of either a, a Type X drywall, which would be a fire code drywall, or you insulate all the way up the rafters and your uh, roof joists, uh, so that your heat, your thermal envelope goes all the way up to the roof deck. I'm not real 
uh, keen on that one because you're trapping heat right underneath your roof shingles, so you're pre-cooking your shingles to a an earlier death. So I'm not. I, I'll do that if I have to, but. Generally, I would prefer to put a ceiling on a garage. Uh, it needs to be Type X, which is fire code 5 eighths because of the 24-inch tw- uh, uh, centers. Your half-inch drywall just won't span that successfully. Then you can put your blown-in uh, cellulose or fiberglass on that ceiling if you'd like, or, or rock wool, whatever material you like. But it, it's, you know, if you're going to be there 10 or 20 years, you will love it. Uh, if you're going to be there three or four years, there's just, you know, no, no buyers really care about that when they're buying your house. Yeah, no payback there, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. It's all for you, man. It's it's all about, you know, how cold a surface you want to sit on in the morning when it's 10 degrees outside. Exactly. Okay, Scott, that's what I needed. Thank right. you. Good questions, Mike. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX at your service, University of KMOX. Shop, play, and be entertained at Pentapalooza. Presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital tomorrow from 11 till 4 at the Purina Event Center at Purina Farms. Over 20 local adoption agencies with lovable pets looking for homes. Family fun for all. And be sure to capture the moment with a caricature from Bax Illustrations or at the Cardinals Nation Restaurant and Bar Photo Booth. Free parking courtesy of Lou Few Subaru. Two locations, twice the inventory. In Creve Corps and St. Peter's or LouFewSubaru.com. Get more info now at KMOX.com slash pet. Get the latest from the Cardinals from manager Mike Matheny on the SAPA GM Country Mike Matheny Show. Sundays at 1015, exclusively on your home for best Cardinals coverage, KMOX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, fun things happening here at KMOX at Studio. I have Bosco, who is our pet gerbil. He sits here in the studio with a really fine treadmill. He generates all this electricity. There's a little help from Amber and our friends. But, you know, for the most part, Bosco just spins that little treadmill. 50,001 watts come out, and I can talk to you by radio. 314-436-7900. puts us together through the miracle of modern telephone. And then the radio waves bring it out to you as far away as South America, sometimes London, and all sorts of stories as uh, Nova Scotia. At at nighttime, signals of an AM radio signal is unbelievable. Long reach. Let's see what's cooking here with Mark. Hey, Mark, Scott Mosby, X. How can I help you, friend? Hey, Scott. uh, How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantabulous. How about yourself? Well, so far, so good. Say, um, I'm getting ready to start a do-it-yourself kitchen remodel. Okay. And so uh, the first thing I'll be doing is uh, laying the porcelain tile, mm-hmm. uh, 18 by 18 inch. Okay. I've got uh, sheet vinyl down, which I plan on tearing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is really um, the proper underlayment. I'm, I'm debating whether going with the quarter inch uh, cement board like a hardy backer or using the uh, engineered material like a Ditra. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, first off, um, before you get to your cement, uh, just the structure of the floor, uh, the tile council recommends an inch and a quarter of floor sheathing underlayment. That means wood. Uh, So on the top of your floor joists, you might have, uh, how old is your house here, Mark? It's 25 years. Okay, you have a three-quarter inch, probably an OSB-oriented strand board, chipboard type thing. It might be plywood. On top of that three-quarter inches, you need another half-inch plywood. 
and then you put your substrate on for the tile. This is one of the things especially, and the reason I'm being real gospel good about this is you're 18 by 18. You have big glass panes that you're laying flat on a floor that that floor is a, a flexible structure that that deflects down and back up with load. So it moves. And when you have 8-inch by 8-inch tiles, you don't break tiles. But when you have big 18 by 18 tiles, you better have a really solid non-bouncing floor. These are things the tile guys won't tell you because they want to sell you some tile. Uh, So 18 by 18 is awesome. You better have a big room for 18 by 18 tiles too. Otherwise, you start messing with the scale of things. Right. Okay. So anyway... Aside from that, you need an inch and a quarter of structural sheathing. And frankly, after that, um, I I don't like quarter-inch hardy. I I would get up to something more like half-inch. And this is why it's important to strip that uh, underlayment of your vinyl floor down. Make sure that you have, and and if you go down there at 26 years and you have particle board underneath that, that particle board is not suitable under tile at all. It is not a structural material. Uh, so that has to come up and, and, and plywood or underlayment material goes a structural underlayment. Uh, and then uh, whether you do your DITRA, I like the DITRA. Um, I, I, I like cement board. Um, I like the hardy. If you, ha- you can put quarter inch over a good solid inch and a quarter substrate if you're ready. But on an 18 by 18, man, I don't know. I, um, I would do something a little heftier. Uh, uh, your DITRA tends to, uh, your dimpled boards for those of you out there, that tends to move a little and it, it can uh, soften some of the flaws in the substrate. Let's put it that way. You following me so far, Mark? Yeah, yeah. And I do have uh, three-quarter inch plywood with quarter inch Luan over that. Not enough. You're a, you, that Luan comes up, a half inch goes down, then you put your tile uh, substrate on it. Your tile is... Um, Think of it, I'm playing fast and loose with terms here. Think of your tile as a thick coat of paint. It has no structure to it. So your underlayment and your tile together um, are the result of doing everything else right. And the reason I'm so um, animated about this is your 18 by 18 tiles are, are fraught with risk because, you know, production-built homes uh, that use 18 by 18 tiles, you can have a lot of broken tiles. Understand, yeah. So, so the um, so you actually need to take up the Luan and put down additional uh, sheeting on that. Yes, yeah. Your Luan really, it, it all you're doing is getting rid of the glue from your uh, sheet vinyl. Uh, but the Luan, it, if you can keep it and clean it, it it does qualify as a structural material. But you still need another. Uh, uh, I I would pull it off because it'll come off quicker. You'll get a better job. You'll actually save time with it. You're easier pulling the the Luan then you are trying to clean the adhesive off the face of that quarter-inch Luan. Yeah, well, two reasons I was thinking about the Dietra at all was, well, first of all, you don't have to drive a thousand-plus screws yeah. into the Dietra. And, uh, but I was looking to save a little height in the floor as, for a transition to the carpeted area next to the kitchen. Amen. So uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do that uh, if I need to build up the base. I'm going to have to just redo my transition to get it as good as possible between the carpet and the and the tile but yeah no i had been planning on just laying um either like i said a quarter inch over my uh luon and going from there no nope. um, don't want to do that so tear up the luon and put down um half inch 
plywood sheeting. Yep. Whether you're paying somebody or doing it uh, yourself, uh, the price will still be paid in extra time, and and there's no way to shortcut structure. Yeah, sure. I don't want to roll my refrigerator back in place and watch the tiles crack as I do. So Your aching back will thank you when you're finished for doing it right. That's right. Okay. One and done, brother. One and done. All right. Well, that, that certainly answers uh, my concern there. So I appreciate your help. Okay, Mark. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. When you think about the whole green thing, if you get the job done right the first time, you're not hauling all that stuff to the dump later. So a green, uh, good quality, the old German value of get it right the first time, it's all the same thing. Grandma knew this stuff 200 years ago. Get the latest from the Cardinals from manager Mike Matheny on the SAPA GM Country Mike Matheny Show. Sundays at 1015, exclusively on your home for best Cardinals coverage. KMOX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, fun things happening here at KMOX at Studio. I have Bosco, who is our pet gerbil. He sits here in the studio with a really fine treadmill. He generates all this electricity. There's a little help from Amber and our friends. But, you know, for the most part, Bosco just spins that little treadmill. 50,001 watts come out. And I can talk to you by radio. 314-436-7900. puts us together through the miracle of modern telephone. And then the radio waves bring it out to you as far away as South America, sometimes London, and all sorts of stories as uh, Nova Scotia. At, at nighttime, signals of an AM radio signal is unbelievable. Long reach. Let's see what's cooking here with Mark. Hey, Mark, Scott Mosby, X. How can I help you, friend? Hey, Scott. Uh, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fantabulous. How about yourself? Well, so far, so good. Say, um, I'm getting ready to start a do-it-yourself kitchen remodel. Okay. And so uh, the first thing I'll be doing is uh, laying the porcelain tile, mm-hmm. uh, 18 by 18 inch. Okay. I've got uh, sheet vinyl down, which I plan on tearing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is really um, the proper underlayment. I'm, I'm debating whether going with the quarter-inch uh, cement board like a hardy backer or using the uh, engineered material like a Ditra. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, first off, um, before you get to your cement, uh, just the structure of the floor, uh, the tile council recommends an inch and a quarter of floor sheathing underlayment. That means wood. Uh, so on the top of your floor joists, you might have, uh, how old is your house here, Mark? It's 25 years. Okay, you have a three-quarter inch, probably an OSB-oriented strand board, chipboard type thing. It might be plywood. On top of that three-quarter inches, you need another half-inch plywood. And then you put your substrate on for the tile. This is one of the things especially, and the reason I'm being real gospel good about this, is you're 18 by 18. You have big glass panes that you're laying flat on a floor, that that floor is a, a flexible structure that that deflects down and back up with load. So it moves. And when you have 8-inch by 8-inch tiles, you don't break tiles. But when you have big 18 by 18 tiles, you better have a really solid non-bouncing floor. These are things the tile guys won't tell you because they want to sell you some tile. Uh, So 18 by 18 is 
awesome. You better have a big room for 18 by 18 tiles, too. Otherwise, you start messing with the scale of things. Right. Okay. So anyway, aside from that, you need an inch and a quarter of structural sheathing. And frankly, after that, um, I I don't like quarter-inch hardy. I I would get up to something more like half-inch. And this is why it's important to strip that uh, underlayment of your vinyl floor down. Make sure that you have – and if you go down there at 26 years and you have particle board underneath that, that particle board is not suitable under tile at all. It is not a structural material. Uh, So that has to come up and, and, and plywood or underlayment material goes a structural underlayment uh, and then uh, whether you do your detra i like the detra um i i i like cement board um i like the hardy if you you can put quarter inch over a good solid inch and a quarter substrate if you're ready but on an 18 by 18 man i don't know I, um i would do something a little heftier uh uh, your detra tends to uh, your dimpled boards for those of you out there that tends to move a little and it it can uh, soften some of the flaws in the substrate. Let's put it that way. You following me so far, Mark? Yeah, yeah, and I do have uh, three quarter inch plywood with quarter inch luon over that. Not enough. You're a, you that luon comes up a half inch goes down. Then you put your tile uh, substrate on it. Your tile is. Um, Think of it, I'm playing fast and loose with terms here. Think of your tile as a thick coat of paint. It has no structure to it. So your underlayment and your tile together um, are the result of doing everything else right. And the reason I'm so um, animated about this is your 18 by 18 tiles are are fraught with risk because, you know, production-built homes uh, that use 18 by 18 tiles, you can have a lot of broken tiles. Understand, yeah. So, so the um, so you actually need to take up the luon and put down additional uh, sheeting on that. Yes, yeah. Your luon really, it, it all you're doing is getting rid of the glue from your uh, sheet vinyl. Uh, but the luon, it, if you can keep it and clean it, it it does qualify as a structural material. But you still need another. Uh, uh, I I would pull it off because it'll come off quicker. You'll get a better job. You'll actually save time with it. You're easier pulling the the luon then you are trying to clean the adhesive off the face of that quarter-inch luon. Yeah, well, two reasons I was thinking about the Dietra at all was, well, first of all, you don't have to drive a thousand-plus screws yeah. into the Dietra. And, uh, but I was looking to save a little height in the floor as, for a transition to the carpeted area next to the kitchen. Amen. So uh, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do that uh, if I need to build up the base. I'm going to have to just redo my transition to get it as good as possible between the carpet and the and the tile but yeah no i had been planning on just laying um either like i said a quarter inch over my uh, luon and going from there no nope. um, don't want to do that so tear up the luon and put down um half inch plywood sheeting yep whether you're paying somebody or doing it uh, yourself uh the price will still be paid in extra time and and there's no way to shortcut structure yeah sure i don't want to roll my refrigerator back in place and watch the tiles crack as i do so your aching back will thank you when you're finished for doing it right that's right one and done brother one and done all right well that that certainly answers uh, my concern there so i appreciate your help okay mark take care You too. Bye-bye. Bye now.
Home improvement, Scott Mosby. When you think about the whole green thing, if you get the job done right the first time, you're not hauling all that stuff to the dump later. So a green, uh, good quality, the old German value of get it right the first time, it's all the same thing. Grandma knew this stuff 200 years ago.